Hey friends, this is John, and this is an episode we recorded with Blake Holmes just before COVID. Uh, the title is How to Cure for Those Who Are in Crisis. And so it was recorded before COVID. There's no COVID-specific uh, mentions, but we think it's going to be incredibly timely uh, given what's going on in the world right now, uh, especially as you lead and serve uh, those who many of them are going through crisis. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, we got him back. By popular demand, Blake Holmes. Yeah. Hey, friends. How are we doing? <laughs> Welcome to the, this is the podcast studio. Uh, I feel like our audience knows you quite well. Many, yep. many personal details. I think there's one they don't know as it relates to Adam. I'm scared of what you're going to say right now. You know, it was, a, it was a beautiful moment. You were an important moment in our friend Adam Tarno's life. You... You or my there. wedding. Yes, oh, yeah, did. that's right. I did, yes. didn't I? Yes, I so did. So here's another fun fact. I uh, I paid him nothing for it. <laughs> that's and, what I remember. Yes, and <laughs> 16 years I've been carrying around that guilt. And this summer we went on vacation and we got to go to a ballpark because I'm yeah. trying to live like you, John McGee. And uh, and we went to L.A. Dodgers. Yes, you did. And we were joking around like, like hey, give me a T-shirt. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm getting you a shirt. <laughs> This is this is payment for you doing my wedding 16 years ago. Exactly so right. it finally With showed interest, up. interest, it should have been like, hey, listen, you know, it was a shirt uniform. and it was a, okay. it was right. a great We're all That's good. We're, we're, we're good. We're good. I can yes. at least hold that this over a, his head for a while. You know yes. what? I was actually, uh, true confessions, I was late to your wedding. Were you really? Because it was way up north. Yeah, it way was up like in Denton. North. Oklahoma, yeah, almost. Pretty and much. I, I thought I was like, I'll make it. I'm so there, and I got there late. So that's awesome. Anyway. I don't even remember that you were there. <laughs> what were you thinking about? All right, great. Uh, so we're gonna jump in, um, Blake. Um, I, one of the things I really appreciate you about you, brother, is you're you've got this crazy dichotomy. You're very direct and very driven, and you're also truly an amazing pastor. I've said to your face multiple times, like if my life blows up, uh, I want to call you yep. uh, first. And so that's what we want to talk about today is just kind of how to how do you love and lead through crisis? How do you be a good friend and uh, a good shepherd? And so do you want to just kind of tee up this topic? Sure. Well, let me just be really clear. Anything that I'm going to offer that's of any value or merit, I learned from watching others. I learned from the way the body of Christ cared for me in my greatest time of need. Yeah. And so just for everybody who doesn't know my story, in June of 2007, a day I'll never forget, um, June 20th, 2007, the doctor called to inform us that our son, who was four at that time, had leukemia which is cancer mm. of the blood cells. Yeah. Yeah. And whenever I just can't express to you the, the, how overwhelming it is to hear a doctor say your son has cancer. And um, it was like somebody walked into my home, set the timer on a bomb, walked out and everything blew up. Yeah. At the time, my wife was pregnant with our fourth child. My son now has cancer and I have two other two other mm -hmm. little girls, mm -hmm. little kids. And, um, man, uh, it, it was a life changing event. Um, now I want to be really clear and I need to say this up top because one time, as you guys probably remember, oh, I, I told remember. this story Yep. and, uh, legendary. And, then, <laughs> legendary. and then I did not tell like the ending. Yeah. My son right now is great. He's in high school. He's 
stronger than I am, <laughs> wrestling for the varsity team, and doing really, really well. Yeah. So this has a great ending in the yeah. end. But in going through what I'm about to share with you today, I forgot to tell the punchline. Yes. And so just it was our say, very first CLC, and he had done like a TED Talk talking about yes. this. I remember I came up after him to do a talk about culture and fun and farkling, and I didn't Dude. connect the dots. <laughs> and that session gets over, and everybody's like, is his son okay? <laughs> and you le- kept your son out of school the next day so yes. we could bring him back and it was, show him. It was legendary. So he came back and he just ran off stage and he goes, I'm alive! <laughs> and the, the place just erupted. So, I did, I did have was, to go home and say, hey, Gage, I told your story, but I forgot one really important part. He goes, they think I'm dead. <laughs> go, I think they might. Yeah. I, but here's the yeah. deal. You can get out of school. <laughs> you can do that. So here, look, all jokes aside, I, this, what we're about to talk about is really heavy. It's still, I just confessed to these guys before we started recording, this is still a hard season mm-hmm. in my life to talk about. Yeah. Um, and so uh, he was diagnosed with leukemia and that took us down a five-year journey, um, five-year journey battling cancer. Uh, three and a half years every single day taking one form of chemotherapy or another and for three and a half years in and out of the hospital. And that was just a dark period. Um, and I remember when that bomb went off, I mean, here I was, um, walked with the Lord for a while, serving on staff here, mm-hmm. um, graduated with a seminary degree and Everything went numb. I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you a Bible verse to save my life. Mm. I was just numb, terrified. But what's amazing is in that moment how the body of Christ showed up in such a significant way. So here I am. I'm a guy who's been a pastor for a while, and I used to take pride in the fact that um, I would be the one to offer comfort mm-hmm. to other people and kind of know what to say, what not to say, and all those things. And then I recognize, I'm just be really honest with you. I recognize by the example others set for me in this period, boy, I've got a lot to learn about how to care for people, love people. So I'm going to share with you some things that I learned, things that I've journaled, things that I've thought a lot about, the ways which people have loved me because they ministered to me. And these are pe- the people in your church probably you'll never hear from. Like they're the ones who aren't on the stage. Yeah. Okay. Um, but God, I think, has gifted them and given them the eyes to see in which to care for people in mm. the time of greatest need. Mm. That's great. But those people who um, who understand these things really model it to me. So I, I, let me just start with what I the first thing I learned, and that is, you ready? This is really profound, Adam. I Let's hope you're taking it. notes. Okay, ready for this one? Just show up. I like it. Okay, so what? Why? Why would I say something as simple as that? Because this is time of crisis. Yeah, and here I am, like, hey, you got your pencil? Write this down. Just show up. Well, the reality is, I think many people in that time of need, when they hear bad news of what's happened down the street or the friend, you know, it's overwhelming. So, like, oh, but I don't know what I would say. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know what I would do. That's right. Or I bet somebody else, you know, that friend over there, you know, John's closer to Adam than I really am, and. You know, or I'll get around to that later. And so people just assume that they're being taken care of or they're afraid of what they might say or they'll do something wrong. And so they stay away. But I'm telling you, in that window, when you get that phone call, those friends who show up, that is a that is a 
window in which as the recipient of that kind of love, I'll never forget those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget mm-hmm. those who are at my door. I'll never forget those who showed up that night at the hospital. I'll never forget it. Yeah. Never. And it really was, uh, it's the ultimate expression of empathy, right? It like is. sympathy just says, I feel bad uh, for you. And empathy says, I'm going to feel with you. Yep. And it's, I'm going to get into whatever situation you're facing right now. And it's an expression of love and empathy to go, I'm just going to show up and, yeah. uh, and that's right. what I'm going to do. And, and it communicates a lot. Yeah. And you know, not all moments are created equal in somebody's life. They're just not. That's exactly right. They're yeah. just not. And, um, and so Blake, you know, I mean, listen, by God's grace, and I'm still a young man, like we've not had our cancer story uh, yet or those kind of things. Um, but I've been on the other side and I, what's reported back is, Hey John, I remember when you showed up the time my whatever right. happened. And you know what, what's interesting? No one ever says, and I remember what you told me. Like, no, I've, I don't, I don't think I really have ever heard that. It's like, I, re, I remember you came, um, when this happened exactly and that right. and it meant a lot. So just to, to echo, uh, your point there. And so, you know, um, coincidentally this morning I was reading through Job. I started Job mm-hmm. this morning mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, I'm not comparing my situation to Job, but I, but I was sitting there and I was, I was reflecting on, you know, Job's friends get a really bad rap. Yeah. But if you read the very beginning of that story, it's quite remarkable. His friends show up and they weep with him and they show love and compassion. The problem is, and this is going to get to my second point, after you just show up, are you writing this down, Adam? (laughs) I I know what you're going to (laughs) say. Okay. I like it. Resist the urge to say something profound. So mm-hmm. Job's friends, their problem they ran into was they opened their mouth. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. They, they, they started to speak. They started talking. <laughs> That's right. They were, they were doing so good. I, and I'm just telling you what happens of what people say when they show up. It's, um, you don't have to say something profound. You don't have to fix it. Be okay with the silence. Just show up, listen, and here's what I'm begging you to do. Avoid all the cliches. Yeah. Just avoid all the church marquees that you've read that sound really neat. And you want to sound like, say something, just resist the urge to say something profound. And I will tell you, I'll give you two stories. Um, I ran into a friend of mine who I loved and a mentor. I hadn't seen him in years. And I was in one of those dark moments. I was lonely and sad, profoundly sad. And I saw this man walk into this bagel shop where I was. And I thought, oh man, I've got to go tell him. I just, I mean, I just want to hug this man. I love this man. Yeah. And I went and I said, I said to him, I go, Hey, my son, he's four. Um, we just found out he had cancer. And I remember he looks at me and he says, Holmesy, God won't lead you to what he can't see you through. And I thought, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know if my son's going to live. He's got cancer. And I felt like you just tried to put a bow on it. Right. I feel like you just tried to make everything okay. Yeah. And, and listen, I'm going to be really clear. Don't misinterpret me. Okay. Um, I believe in the inspiration sure. of scripture. I believe in the sufficiency of God's word, but I don't need you to Romans eight twenty eight me in that moment. Right. Okay. There is something incredible about John 11. This is the first verse you memorized, Mickey. Hmm. And you remember it, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus wept. Mm-hmm. Okay. He didn't go in and go, Hey guys. I mean, 
Jesus wept. I think there's something about that, that I just wish my friend would have hugged me. I wish he would just said, Hey Blake, I, I know that's really hard. I know that's really hard. I am so sorry. Mm. Um, and, and so that's the picture of that contrast to where I'm talking to a friend of mine on the phone. He lives in Oklahoma and, um, I'll never forget this. I'm, I'm sharing with him kind of the details of what we're going through, how overwhelming it is. And I remember him saying to me, he says to me, Blake, if at the end of this, I don't care if you are 300 pounds overweight and going to AA, you hold on to Jesus, man, and you're going to win. And those words were so freeing to me because what he was saying to me is, Hey Blake, you don't have to be the super pastor. You don't have to try to put a bow on this yourself. You don't have to try to be Superman. Just bro, hold on to Jesus and it's okay to grieve. Yeah, It's okay to grieve. And so that friend was one who could just sit with me and listen and not ask me to perform, not, um, any, any avoided, and this is, this is terrible, but, um, you know, sometimes I would, people would ask me, what kind of cancer is it? And I'd tell them and literally, and I know they're trying to say the right thing, but they would say, oh, well that, that, that's the good kind of cancer. Right. And I, it's just a a crazy statement. It's a crazy (laughs) statement. That's a crazy statement. And I'm like, okay, that feels like you're minimizing what's happening here. Yeah. My son has cancer Yeah, and, um, and he's not doing well. And I was up all yeah. night last night yeah. yeah. and he's vomiting and I'm scared to death. I'm going to lose him. Yeah. But it's the good kind of, it cancer. reminds me of, you know, the famous quote from Brene Brown talking about this, that when somebody's really hurting, the last thing you want to do is start a sentence with the words at least. That's right. You know, like, well, <laughs> at least, at least, uh, he's still with you or at least you have friends or at least, uh, you know, if you have a miscarriage, at least you can get pregnant. And it's just, it does it, it, it minimizes all it that. It minimizes. And sometimes we have the most hmm. warped theology. Yeah. So I, I got to become close friends with many people in the hospital, other families who were suffering and they would hear, and I've sat beside friends who lost a child because of cancer and they would hear the just terrible theology. Like, well, you know, God needed an angel and all that stuff. You're like that, that is simply unbiblical on many levels. Yeah. So I I will tell you, Henry Nowen said this, the friend who can be silent with us in a moment of despair or confusion, who can stay with us in an hour of grief and bereavement, who can tolerate not knowing, not healing, not curing, that is a friend who cares. Mm. And um, boy, there's there's a lot of truth to that. Mm. So just Mm. show up is the first thing I'd tell you to do. Mm. And here's the most freeing thing I would tell you to do. Resist the urge to say something profound. Now you've put some thought into this uh, as well on like, here's what, if you do need to say something, I mean, we, we're laughing a little bit about mm-hmm. Job's friends. If you show up, that would be weird to literally say nothing. Right. And so you have said, okay, these are, these are probably in bounds here and it's pretty simple. So why don't you share, if you're going to, if you're going to talk, say these words. Yeah. I mean, things where you just communicate, um, Hey, I know this is hard. Yeah. Hey, I'm really sorry this happened. Hey, I want you to know that I care about you. Yep. Um, I want to be a friend to you during this season. Um, the, those are the things that um, 
acknowledge the reality of the situation. And, and that's, that's the third point is be comfortable with the reality of the situation. That's you good. just don't want to be flippantly optimistic offer pep talks like, oh, well, this is the better kind of cancer. Or I've got a friend who has a son and he went through and, yeah. you know, and you're just like, well, and they tried a new essential oil. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. And the, truly I heard oh, that I, I was given, I, I was given, here's what you should do. Go to Mexico. And you're just like, I know, I know you're trying to help, but, it, but that's not, it's not helpful or, and don't try to take God off the hook. Um, you know, mm. he doesn't need you to defend him. It's good. Um, it's good. You know, you don't try to fix it. You just respect the grieving process. The friends I clung to were the, the friends like the one I told you about who just called and yeah. said, hey, man, you just hold on to Jesus. I, I had some close friends who literally for over a year, every Thursday, we get together for lunch. I remember these times, these, these Thursday was my respite. Mm-hmm. So keep in mind, at one point, my wife is in the hospital with our newborn. I've got two daughters at home and my son is at the hospital at children's. I've got two hospitals to choose from two daughters at home and a full-time job. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You can't win. No. She, and I'm grieving. I'm yeah. grieving. But on Thursdays at lunch, I just would sit with a couple of my friends mm-hmm. and they were amazing. And just go, Hey man, how you doing? So good. And I just, t- and I just talked and they would not interrupt. I look back on that time. Like, Man, I mean, they were just patient and listen. And it was just good to have somebody listen, ask me how I was doing and tell me they love me. They're praying for me. They knew it was hard and hold on, yeah. hold on to Jesus. John, so why good. do we overcomplicate this so much though? You know, I mean, it, cause it seems so simple and, and, but yet profound at the exact same time. Yes. My, our best, our friend Robbie Rice says our, your best uh, ability is your availability. So you just show up, you resist that urge to say something profound. You're comfortable with the reality of the situation. Why as leaders, do we want to go in and just try to play, uh, yeah, play the I'm superhero? I'm sure there's a better answer than this one, but I think a leader, a lot of times feels like they have to say something like yeah. that. All eyes are on them and something really amazing needs to come out of their mouth that will fix everything in your, mm-hmm. in your language, you know, Blake put a, put a bow on it. I think that would be part of it. And I think also when, when we're nervous and we're not sure, we just start talking. There That's right. Go. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and it's as uh, opposed to just sitting there, um, and, and praying, you know, you can just pray with someone as you don't have to say anything, just be with, be with Blake as he's grieving, uh, and just pray. <clears throat> and that would be a way, a way better friend, uh, to him. And, and, and Blake, I, I, I'm trying to listen, knowing, knowing the story and having kind of, you know, walked alongside you, you, uh, the one thing I just want to make sure our listeners don't misunderstand is you, you did cling to scripture and it wasn't just, just be silent. I remember you just kind of anchoring yourself in scripture and people were calling you, they weren't throwing trite Bible verses that God's going to make everything. But you, I remember you like making a conscious, it it wasn't a complicated faith, That's right. but it was, you were anchoring yourself um, in scripture. That's exactly right. So I just, there were some passages that uh, I did cling to that my friends gave me. Yeah. Like I said before, um, I, my mind was blank. I was numb. But I remember one very kind friend who um, was closer to Rebecca, Lee, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, she would just leave notes in our home of, hey, I'm praying for you. Yeah. And she'd write out a passage of scripture. She'd put a, a verse, a psalm, maybe a commonplace like near the phone 
or when we'd open up our cupboard. I think, in fact, I'm not kidding. I think there's a verse that she put uh, on our, in, when you open up the pantry door, I think it's still there. That's awesome. awesome. Um, it just, of just like, hey, God's not silent. Yep. He's not surprised. He remains on his throne. And I just remember friends who would give me verses and they weren't trying to be profound. They weren't, they weren't lecturing, yep. teaching, trying yep. to offer an apologetic. Um, one of my friends wrote me an email. It's still on my desk. Mm. And um, he just talked about an even if kind of faith, you know, from Daniel, like, hey, even if we're not rescued. Mm -hmm. And he said, Blake, I'm praying this passage for you and that you would have an even if kind of faith. I don't know what's going to happen to Gage, but I know God is good. And he loves you. He always has your best interest in mind. I know it's hard, but I'm praying for you. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I, I mean, that kind of, it's email good. that kind of you know you just go man that's what that's what I'm praying for that it's even good. if kind of faith, but two specific passages I lived in the Psalms mm -hmm. I lived in the Psalms because the Psalms really do capture that raw emotion and they give you permission to grieve yeah. that, I, that's what I love about the Psalms it's really good, um, but so Psalm sixty one was was one of those passages where he says hear my cry O God listen to my prayer from the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. That, that picture of lead me to the rock that is higher than I, I just always picture, you know, you've been mountain climbing, you've been hiking. And I just always picture that that day when you're just exhausted and all you do is just, all you, you just see uphill. You just see a hard climb because you're down in this valley and you think that's going to be so hard to get from here to up there. And there's this sense of like, Lord, you're going to lead me to this place of stability. You're going to lead me to mm. this high point, this high ground where I'm going to be able to one day see again and um, find this position of strength in my life. And I, I'm confident you can get me there. So Psalm 61 is a great one. And then um, my prayer throughout the whole time and in the passage that um, really spoke to me the most that I clung to, because this is... This is what I prayed, although I didn't always demonstrate, but I always prayed that I could hold to this, was the faith that was expressed in Habakkuk 3. You remember Habakkuk, right, John? You remember mm -hmm. Old Testament? <laughs> yeah. All right. No, so, I'm no Hebrew scholar, but yes, so, like you are, Blake, but I, have, <laughs> I am familiar with it. All right. So listen, listen, this really is beautiful. Listen to this. Um, Habakkuk 3 says, though the fig tree should not blossom, yeah. Yeah. nor fruit be on the vine, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. I mean, that that is disaster in yeah, every way. That's bleak. That's bleak. Okay. Yet, Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. That, that passage... I just kept reflecting on that. Lord, this is hard. I don't have the answers. Um, you know, you've heard my favorite book. Did anybody know my favorite book? Remember my favorite book? The one that you're Progress. reading and studying right now. Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim's Progress. Oh, there you go. Favorite one. He didn't I'm do getting my, you mixed he, up with Todd. Oh, yeah. He, he didn't yes. do my wedding, but, <laughs> yeah. I, but I know Blake. Yeah. <laughs> but Pilgrim's Progress is my favorite book. It's loaded with scripture. But there's a scene in there in particular where Christian enters into the castle of doubt and the giant of despair 
holds him captive and he beats him mercilessly. And the giant's wife would come to Christian and say, you should just end it. My husband is going to destroy you. There is no hope for you. And what's amazing, what Bunyan did in the book, Pilgrim's Progress, and this is a beautiful picture, is after just wrestling with doubt and despair and, um, and, and sorrow, Christian realizes he has a key. He finds a key in his pocket. And he goes, how could, I, how could I have forgotten? And the key is the promises of Scripture. And he takes those promises of Scripture and he goes to every door in the dungeon and starts unlocking the doors to free himself from the castle of mm. doubt. Mm. And it's such a beautiful picture of just like, Hey, I've got God's word right in front of me and I need to hold to it. I need to be reminded that it's true despite how I feel or what I may be experiencing. I've got to hold to what is true. So what I've said throughout this whole process and what I learned is you do not determine your theology on the 10th floor at children's medical center. That is the thing I continue to tell myself. Do not determine your theology on the 10th floor at Children's Medical Center. Because if you do, you will land in a horrible place. So you better know what you believe about who God is. You better know what you believe about the Word of God. But if you believe that the Bible is exactly what it says it is, that it holds the promises of God, it will be the key that unlocks the door in the castle of doubt. Um. As you and I like to say often, that was strong to quite strong. Yes, it was. I, I, it was. I have nothing to add. All right. Well, then let's just, let's just let him keep talking. So uh, first principle was just show up. Second was resist the urge to say something profound. Third was be comfortable with the reality of the situation. Uh, the fourth is this one is find a need, however small, and meet it. Okay. This seems obvious. Um, <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to make it through this without crying a little bit, but... You're doing great. Uh, You're doing great, brother. Thank you. I do. I do remember... I could put names to all these people. Um, boy, those hospital visits were terrible because um, most of the times you just don't sleep, right? Yeah. Nurses are coming in all night long or you're taking care of your child. And, um, and I just remember waking up in the morning going, I would love like a real cup of coffee. As simple as that is. I literally had one friend regularly. Uh, I'd walk outside my door in the morning and he'd sit there with the largest black, just, I just want straight jet fuel, just black coffee. He'd sit there with the largest black coffee, hot, hand it to me. Hey, I love you. I'm praying for you. And you hand me that coffee and you head off to work. Or he would say something like, hey, I was in the neighborhood. I thought you'd want this. <laughs> Which was a lie, just, right? <laughs> let me just tell you, I'd always look at him and go, hey, stop lying to me. <laughs> you had to go 20 minutes out of the way for a cup of coffee. You would come up to this floor. You had to pay whatever it was to park in that stupid garage, right? Mm -hmm. Just to bring me a cup of coffee and just say, hey, man, I'm here for you. I haven't forgotten you. Because when you're in a hospital, you just feel kind of forgotten. Yes. Um, and that was crazy to me. It just... Just to be there and hand you a cup of coffee. Remember the first time you told that story it had such a profound impact by the simplicity, the thoughtfulness, and probably a lot of listeners thinking like what I thought was like, oh, I can do that. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I, that's not hard. That's good. Yes. That just, uh, it, but it also comes to another point of that supposes you've got 20 minutes, right? Yeah. You've got some margin, mm -hmm. which is maybe a little bit beyond the scope of this podcast, but it's a good time to talk about this, that to be able to meet the needs of people that are going through crisis 
A good question to ask yourself is, do I even have the margin if somebody in my sphere of influence had a crisis? And you know what? Guilty. Yeah. So guilty. Again, another thing I've learned is um, I will often fill my calendar to where it's just back to back to back. I I might have good intentions. I mean to get down there. I want to get down there. Right. Um, But man, there's just people who made the time, who created margin in their life, prioritized that in ways I just sit there and I go, you know what? That guy, he was running a company. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, it, 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 but it made a profound impact. Yeah. And, and I would tell you, um, there's something you can offer to someone. So this is what we typically do. Okay. This is what we typically do. This is why I said, hey, find a need, however small, and then meet it. What we typically do is, um, is we go down there and we go, hey, mm. if uh, there's anything Gosh. I can do to help, let me know. Well- you know, when you're in a dark place and you don't even know what the next 30 minutes is going to hold, it's hard to even think what to know what to ask for. Yeah. Uh, let me just give you random. Can I just give you just please real quick? Yeah. Please, please, please. Tangible things. And this is where I just sit there and I go, I was never a friend to people. I was never a friend to people. Right. Give me an F beforehand because mm-hmm. these people are killing me. Um in, in their just kindness and love. One single guy at this church, I'll never forget it. He learned that I had to go, there's a 24 hour pharmacy, you know, and I had to go get nausea medicine. And it was like two o'clock in the morning. And he heard that story and he came to me and he goes, he goes, Holmes, the thought of you leaving your family right now at two o'clock in the morning to go get nausea medicine, you're going to the drugstore. That's crazy. Yeah. He goes, here's my cell phone number. I live by that drugstore, please. I'm a, he goes, he says to me, he goes, I'm single. I don't have a family. Yeah. Like call me. You should never go to the drugstore. Okay. After bedtime, just call me. I'll bring it. I'll be there. I'll be there. And I just thought, God bless you, man. Mm. I mean, Mm. thank you. You know I mean? Just, I was like, okay, I'm going to call him. (laughs) I've got his number. So when I have to leave this house again, I'm just going to call him. Um, my sister-in-law, God bless her, smart as a whip. Okay. Law degree, accounting degree. Uh, she's just bright. I was overwhelmed. And anybody going through a situation like this is going to be overwhelmed by the insurance needs and all the medical bills. It is that in and of itself as a job. And I think that was the thing that created one of the biggest stressors in my life. Hey, how do I follow all this? And she heard that. And she came over, she grabbed a stack of our bills and all that insurance. She goes, mm. give that to me. I'll take care of all of it. Wow. And wow. I was like, wow. whoa, you gotta be kidding. So for over, I mean, literally for years, every week she'd come, she'd grab our mail, she'd take all that. She'd go fight the insurance company. Mm. And the insurance company- <laughs> That's another podcast. Oh, no, That's it, another yeah. podcast. Oh, no, she's yeah. calling again. <laughs> she's calling again. And she, but that, I'm just telling you, it, it, but so, like I said, she's a lawyer. She's yeah, an accountant. So she good. was like, "Hey, Blake, that's e- what's hard for you. That is so easy for so me. Good. Like, I I got it. And you know what? She's like, honestly, I can't cook. I'm not going to bring you a lot of meals. <laughs> but you know what? Give me the insurance company. And so I was there. I was going, God bless you. Yeah. I mean, um, and so and, and yeah, now so let me good. just tell you even one more that just goes, well, that's just crazy, right? Uh, there was a neighbor down the street. We had uh, many hospital visits, like I said. And this is so, this is crazy. Um, and, uh, you know, checked him in, 
on Christmas Day, you know, one year, uh, just missed missed holidays at times. And I mean, what what kid wants to go be checked in the hospital in the morning of Christmas, right? But this one particular year, Gage's birthday is right around Halloween, and we went in, and um, it was the week of birth, his birthday and Halloween or whatever, and he didn't get to go trick-or-treating because we're at the hospital. Well, this neighbor down the street, <laughs> this is crazy, she finds out, she comes down, and she goes, hey, you know what? A four-year-old kid, I hate the fact that he missed Halloween and all that you're going through. So here's what we're going to do. Next week, if he's well, that whole block down the street, both sides of the block, I've put candles outside each home. There's a bag with a candle in it. It's like a little jack-o'-lantern, you know? Yeah. And everywhere where you see one of those candles lit, that family's ready. Mm. So we were dressed up Jeez. in November. <laughs> in November, dressed up in Halloween gear so he could go trick-or-treating. And we went door to door. And they kept their Halloween stuff up. Oh my gosh. Okay. People kept their Halloween stuff up and they were like, Hey, absolutely. And there's this name. I just sit there and think about that. I go, all right. I, I've never been a friend to anybody. Yeah. I'm not that loving. I'm not that kind. <laughs> I repent. I texted <laughs> somebody a verse once. <laughs> you know? That's what I was like. <laughs> I just don't even know how to love people. Uh, and, you know, and it just killed that. I look back on that and you know, and Gage felt like he had Halloween uh, and my other kids got to go trick or treating with us as a family. So good. And I just looked at her and she goes, she goes, that was so easy. We just kept candy by our door. And I go, no, you just have no idea. Yeah. yeah. So good. Well, and I think to you, those families had a great time doing that, you know, and I, and I listen, your sister-in-law going toe to toe with insurance. I mean, <laughs> that might've been red meat to her. She like, she may have loved it. I don't know, but that, that was work, mm -hmm. but I bet you it was also, it, I bet there also was some joy and that window generally, opens and shuts and you have, you have a brief window there to, uh, to do that. And I think one of the, if you're walking with someone, you know, kind of the, one of the, the mindsets is, Hey, this isn't forever. Mm -hmm. I've got a brief moment here That's and, right. and, uh, and I can find joy in serving. Like I will, I will bet you, I don't know this to be true, but, um, when your friend couldn't bring you a cup of coffee right, again, right, right. uh, two things were true. Uh, one, he wished he could. Right. And two, he was so glad every single time he said yes to that and, and took that little, that little detour because the moment was over the need, the need was, uh, and it was not there. It was a, it was a fixed point in time. And so when you're walking alongside of somebody, um, just, just understand that you've got a brief moment. Uh, oftentimes it could be years, but it probably, you know, or, or maybe a lifetime, I don't know, but generally it's, it's a brief moment. So maximize that. Yeah. And yeah. you probably actually will find uh, some joy in that. And, and I'm in, to the point we made earlier, the person on the receiving end of that never forgets it. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. yeah. Ever. Um, I want to speak to our community group, all of our community groups out there, those who have small groups or whatever you might call them in your church. And I want to be, I want to be clear. Sometimes when it's something chronic, like chronic illness, like we experienced, if you're going through a crisis like that, that's going to overwhelm any group. So the best thing you could do is just delegate responsibilities. Don't um, become so overwhelmed with the needs. Just delegate responsibilities such that, hey, you know what? This person in the group is going to take care of maybe meals for a few weeks. This person in the group is going to take care of carpools for the kids. Um, this person in the group is going to help with, you know, 
childcare, whatever it is. Yeah. So that each person can contribute, but no one is overwhelmed. So that's what I would say is as a pastor, what you could do is you could come and just provide just organizational leadership and go, Hey guys, let me just give you a suggestion. Um, don't everybody try to do everything. There you go. What's helpful. And you know what? Why don't you do this for the next few weeks? You do that for the next few weeks. Are there other friends we could surround this family with? And you do it to where no one drowns. There we go. All right. Principle number five, pray with and for. Yeah, this really, um, boy, I I think this goes a little bit with resist the urge to say something profound. There's something, you don't need to say something profound. You don't need to take God off the hook. You just go, hey, I know this is hard. Um, I want you to know I love you. And, um, And I'd love to pray with you. Yeah. Uh, maybe open up God's word, read Habakkuk three mm. and just pray Habakkuk three. Yeah. That's all, That's you good. know, so really even in your prayers, you don't need to, it doesn't need to be these and thousand profound. Yeah. Just take that Psalm 61 Habakkuk three. You read that and go, Lord, this is all, this is what I'm praying for the homes right now. Yeah. Lead them to the rock that is higher than they are, that they would know that you're with them mm. and that you're trustworthy, even in these hard times. Amen. And um, the power of prayer, never underestimate it, the power of prayer. I like that. All right, last one is uh, is to follow up. So why don't you just share some of your story and how you saw that play such a big a big role? <clears throat> yeah, um, you know, there are certain milestones. Um, you know, one of my, one of Gage's close friends lost her battle with cancer. And uh, every year, um, you can't do this with everybody. I get that. Um, you know, Todd likes to say, you know, you're just using the story of the good Samaritan. Hey, that's your ditch. Like Adam, you came across this person. He, that's yeah. kind of the ditch, the person you need to tend to. And, but, but Gage lost a friend to cancer and, um, it's heartbreaking for all of us. But, uh, to this day, every year when that date rolls around, marking that anniversary of when she passed away, I just reach out to my friend, her dad, and just say, hey, man, I just praying with you. I just want you to know I love you. God's good. And uh, we talk, we catch up and talk about how our families are doing right now. And so I think when you remember those milestones, um, when you remember, hey, this is going to be the day where that treatment's going to be hard. Gage had multiple spinal taps. Mm. Um, And, uh, you know, just sometimes people just put it on their phone. Hey, it's Monday. It's a clinic day. It's going to be a spinal tap. It's going to be breathing treatment. It's going to be all this horrible stuff. And, um, and just to, you know, every once in a while, just say, Hey man, I know it's, I know it's a clinic day. Yeah. Um, that kind of follow up when people would, um, stay current, you know, again, we want to avoid hard conversations, but Hey, how are you doing? How's Gage? Um, you know, I, I know you've got clinic coming up. Um, just, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Those things mean a lot. Which I can understand that some would go, well, I don't want to remind them of this terrible anniversary or or this tragic anniversary, or I don't want to yeah. remind them of their yeah. uh, what they're going through, which may cause them mm-hmm. to not want to follow up. And I think what I'm hearing you say is, no, that does communicate care when you do. It totally does. And you know what? You'll know if they want to talk about it or they don't, you know? Yeah. I mean, if, if that might be the door that opens up and then all of a sudden you've given them permission to really share. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if they, they choose not to at that time, then be free. Yeah. You no, know? they'll, they'll, they'll appreciate the fact that you remember and that you love them. 
Yeah. My, you know, my dad passed away several years ago and there's, there's still a few friends that, uh, on the anniversary of his death, he'll just, Hey bud, I'm thinking about you, you know, and, uh, uh, praying for you. And I'm so grateful for your dad, you know, or something yeah. like that. And it just, it just means a lot. And this um, is where, I mean, we'll, we'll make fun of technology and how it can be a distraction sometimes, but this is where technology is an advantage oh, for some of this stuff for the way that you can set reminders in your phone no and question. the power of an encouraging text message. We were joking about text messages earlier, but the power of, just yeah. shooting yeah. somebody a quick text on that day with a reminder. Listen, did did uh, your digital brain remember that for you? Yeah, but the fact of the matter is, you did something with it. That's you, right. You were thoughtful and you tried to do something with it. That's exactly that's, right. That's better than doing nothing. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So one last, it's similar to the quote I shared earlier, but what Nowen said, he says this. He goes, "This is an appropriate quote to close with." He said, "When we honestly ask ourselves which person in our lives means the most to us, we often find it is those who." instead of giving much advice, solutions, or cures, have chosen rather to share our pain and touch our wounds with a gentle and tender hand. There you go. Mm. I like that a lot. You know, John, as we were, as Blake was going through this list, I mean, I I was thinking of this, I mean, this is when leadership is needed, is Mm -hmm. when a crisis hits. And a lot of time when you think leadership in crisis, you think organizational crisis, which is how are we going to spend the PR of this crisis. And, uh, but what we're doing here in church leadership, this is, this is our job. This is our privilege is to get in front of people or get with people, empathize and hold their hand, you know, and just be with them as they're going through crisis. So this is a, uh, this is an important leadership matter that we're talking about today. Yeah. So good. Yeah, it is, you know, yeah. Whether you're in the church or you're uh, teach at school or lead a business, and you're going to have people that are going to go through yeah. um, crisis and hard times. And uh, I think what Blake just told you this beautiful story of like, well, uh, Matthew 22. In this instance, what would it look like to love others, to love your neighbor? And Blake just told you the ways uh, that he was loved through this. And uh, and uh, brother, like in all sincerity, like when I think of someone who does this, Blake, uh, it's you, brother. Like you, everything you just said, people did for you. Uh, I think you're one of the best examples of all of it mm. uh, that I know of. And I, I wanted to say each time you went through one of those, I remember when you did that for me, Blake, I remember when you did that for me, Blake, I remember when you did that for me, Blake. And, um, and you, you're amazing uh, at this. And so I think that, um, you know, uh, second Corinthians one is, is just true. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, I, and I've seen that um, in your life. So thanks for sharing. Yeah. Uh, thanks for putting kind of, you know, wheels on what, um, what Matthew 22 would look like to, to be in action uh, as a leader. Thank you. I think it'd be really, really helpful. You bet. Thanks for letting me be here. Well, if you have any questions or comments on today's episode or topics you'd like for us to consider for future episodes, feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. That helps people find us. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.